You know, as I was thinking about the beginning of this series, I thought about when Tiffany and I first met. We met in 1996. She was a freshman in college. And we just started to talk and get to know one another and started dating one another and just started to fall in love. And here's a picture of us in college. This is at at Lake of the Ozarks near Branson. We were just, man, in, falling in love with one another. Look at us just looking dapper. Come on, somebody, you know. Just falling in love. We, we were going to all kinds of dates. We would, we loved to go to church together. We went to church together all the time. And we would go out to eat and sit in restaurants and talk. One of our favorite restaurants in college was CC's Pizza. Because we were broke. Who knows what I'm talking about? Broke, broke. So we went to that CC's Pizza buffet line and ate that CC's pizza and then we would spend hours on the phone and back in the day we didn't have no cell phone you know what i'm saying you had to call off a, off a landline and we get on the phone and i call her hey what are you doing i knew what she was doing could i just called her she couldn't be nowhere else she picked up the phone she's in her dorm room but I, what are you doing I'm in my dorm room what are you doing i'm in mine too what you been doing i've been studying how you doing what's going on and we just start talking. We just talk. Just getting to know each other. Just hours on the phone every night. Be up late at night. I got, I got class tomorrow early. So we have to get on the phone, okay? We have to get off. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. You still there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just getting to know one another. And, and how Tiffany and I got to know each other is a lot like how we get to know the Holy Spirit. The Bible says something interesting as Paul was meeting with believers and he wanted them to know the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm getting ready to dive into God's word. Now, if you're new to People's Church today, we are a Bible-believing church. I love preaching the Bible. We give a lot of Bible here at the church. Who loves the word of God around here at People's Church? Let's dive into the word of God. So Paul meets these disciples and he says in Acts chapter 19, verse 2, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. These disciples had never heard about the Holy Spirit. And some of you are just like these disciples. You're just beginning a relationship with Jesus and you don't know about the Holy Spirit. You don't know much about him at all. Some of you are like, I don't, this is kind of my first time hearing about the Holy Spirit. Others of you are like, well, I, I know something about the Holy Spirit, but I don't really, I don't really know him all that well. I'm just kind of beginning this journey with him. And others of you are like me. You've known the Holy Spirit for years. You, you've had relationship with the Holy Spirit. And what you need to know is that there's still so much more for all of us to know about the Holy Spirit. No matter if you've known the Holy Spirit for many, many, many years or it's, it's, it's just your first week or two knowing about the Holy Spirit. There is always more to know about the Holy Spirit. There's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 says this, However, as it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us. Notice this, how? By his spirit. The spirit searches all. Come on, everybody shout all. 
The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For no one knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. You see, we get to know the deep things of God by getting to know the Holy Spirit. Understand this, there's more. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depths of of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and untraceable his ways. We will never search out all the depths of God. There's always more. And just like with Tiffany, I had just to keep learning her. I had to keep leaning into her and learning her. And even after 26 years of marriage, I have to keep learning about Tiffany. Because the day I start learning about her, there's so much depth and knowledge and wisdom and insight and richness in my wife. And the day I stop learning about her is the day our relationship will get stale. It'll get dry. It won't flourish. And so I got to keep leaning in. I got to keep learning. I got to keep asking questions and get knowing her heart. And I got to keep knowing her desires and what she's dreaming about and what she's thinking. After 26 years, I still have to keep knowing and learning my wife. And it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. There's so much depth in him. There's so much richness in God. His his, his wisdom, his knowledge is unsearchable. And you've got to keep leaning in and you've got to keep learning. Because if you don't keep leaning in and learning about God and about the Holy Spirit, you're going to get dry and stale and your relationship with God will not flourish. Somebody shout, there's more. You got to keep leaning in. You got to keep learning about the Holy Spirit. No matter if you've known him for 40 or 50 years, there's more. Today, as we begin this new series, I want to give you five questions about the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want us to do today. I want us all to get in the right heart of the right mindset. And I want us all to know the Holy Spirit better. Beginning today and all throughout this series. And let's begin by answering five questions. Number one, what is the Holy Spirit? Whether you have grown up in the church for many, many years or maybe you're just checking out church for the first time today. You've probably probably heard some things about the Holy Spirit that was like, that's kind of weird. Maybe you heard he's a, a dove or he's water or he's a ghost. He's a tongue of fire. He's an it. What in the world is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? Here's who he is. Here's his first thought. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Bible teaches us that there is one God who exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not weaker or lesser than God the Father or of God the Son. The Holy Spirit is fully God. He's 100% God. Acts chapter 5 and verse 3 through 4 says, Then Paul said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart 
that you have lied to, notice this, the Holy Spirit. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say in verse 4 at the end, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. You've lied to God. You, you have lied to God, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is God. The Father is God. The Son is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. We see all three are one and yet they're three in one, and they are all God. They're all one God, and they also have three distinct persons. They're, they're God, one and three, three and one. It's a mystery right now. One God, three distinct persons, one in three and three in one. It says this, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Let me show this to you. How God, talking about the Father, anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the son, with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We see this, and did you catch this? There's God the Father. He anointed Jesus the son with the Holy Spirit. We see three distinct persons of God, three in one and one in three. Matthew chapter three, verse 16 and 17. As, G as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God. So Jesus is getting water baptized. He saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning on him and a voice from heaven. This is God the Father says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And although they are three distinct persons, they are all one God. Three distinct persons, one God. One God, three and one, one and three, three and one, one and three. It's a mystery. And they work together because they are one. They work together. Jesus said, John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one, three and one. John 17, verse number 11, I remain in the world, Jesus says, no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave them so that may, they may be one as we are one. Jesus prays this incredible prayer. He prays for all of us different people that we would be one in spirit. We'd all be one. And no matter how much you and I become one in spirit, we will never have the same union as the Godhead. Because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have a perfect union. They have such a perfect union that the Son only does what the Father shows him. The Son only does what the Father tells him to do. It's a perfect divine union. John chapter 5 verse 19. Jesus talks about this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing because whatever the father does the son also does they are a perfect union three distinct persons but they are one the son only does what he sees the father doing john chapter 14 verse 10 jesus talks about this again he says don't you believe that i am in the father and that the father is in me the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. The Father and the Son are one. Now understand this, and the Holy Spirit 
is also one with the Father and the Son. It's a perfect union. Jesus describes it in John 16, verse 13. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears from the Father, from the Son. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. He will glorify Jesus because it is from me. He will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what, what he will make known to you. Are you seeing this, church? There is one God who exists in three persons. And it's hard for us to get our minds around this mystery. No matter how educated you are, how many degrees you have, this is a mystery that God had. Three in one and one in three. The best I can describe it is kind of like water. Water can ma manifest in three different forms. Solid, liquid, or gas. What water's substance, it never changes. But the expression does, it does change for purpose. You know, I think about myself. Sometimes I like room temperature water. Sometimes I want some ice water. So get some ice cubes in that water. Come on, some of that sonic ice, some of that crushed ice. Mm. And the crushed ice is still water. And the water is water. They're just in different forms to serve a different function. It's like this pretzel right here. This pretzel, it has three holes. And the first hole is not the second hole. And the second hole is not the third hole. And the third hole is not the first hole. And yet there's one dough. They're all one. There's one dough. And yet there's three separate holes. There's one God made up of three distinct beings. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they all possess the same divine nature. They all have the same attributes and perfection. The description of one also belongs to the others. And today, God the Father is seated in heaven on the throne. God the Son is seated next to his heavenly Father at his right hand. And the Holy Spirit is here on the earth convicting people of sin. And he's also in the hearts of Christ's followers. There, there's one God who exists in three persons, three in one and one in three. Just look at your neighbor and say, this is deep and we're just getting started. Go ahead and tell him, yeah, we're just getting started. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's a person. He's a person. He's a who is he? He's a person. The Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit is also referred to as a he. I think this is so vitally important to understand because when you understand that the Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing, you begin to really understand that he's a person, you realize you can get to know him. If he was an it or a thing, you could know about it, but you couldn't know him. But the Holy Spirit is a he, is, is a person, and you can get to know the Holy Spirit personally. He's a he. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. It says, all these 
are the work of one and the same spirit. And he, notice the Bible doesn't say, and it distributes them. No, not an it. Not, it doesn't say, and the thing distributes them. No, no, it says, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines, talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, he's a he, John 15, verse 26. When the advocate comes, the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the earth. He said, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he, not it. It doesn't say it will testify about me. No, no, no. It says he will testify about me because the Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing. He's a he. And you can get to know the Holy Spirit better and better and better. Second question. What makes the Holy Spirit a person? What makes the Holy Spirit a person? And when I say the Holy Spirit is a person and talk about a person, it means that one who has their own identity and individuality as a rational being. A person is one who's conscious of their own existence. When the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a person, it's not saying that he has eyes and ears and feet and hands, but yet the Holy Spirit does have many attributes of a person. And let me just share some with you right now. I want you to understand the Holy Spirit is a person that you can get to know better and better and better and better. The first thought is this. The Holy Spirit is alive. He's a person. He's alive. Romans 8 verse 2 says, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The Holy Spirit is alive. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is at work right now. He's alive. He's in the earth. He's working. He is moving. The Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing. The Holy Spirit is not dead. The Holy Spirit is, a, is alive and is at work right now. The Holy Spirit has a mind. He has a mind. Romans 8 verse 27, and he searches our hearts and knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Just like you have a mind, just like you have thoughts, so does the Holy Spirit. And you have to get to know the Holy Spirit's thoughts. You have to get to know the Holy Spirit's mind. He has a mind. The Holy Spirit, he has a will. He has a will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 11. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions or who distributes the gifts. Talking about the gifts, distributes to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit has a will. It's important to understand this. You will never get to know the Holy Spirit if you don't understand he has a will that he wants to accomplish in the earth and also in your life. And the Holy Spirit's will is oftentimes not your will. And so you've got to get to know the Holy Spirit so you can know his will and his thoughts and he, what, what he's thinking. I, I've been married to Tiffany almost 26 years and, and sometimes I think I got her figured. I think I know, what she, I know what she's thinking. I know what her will is. I know what she wants to happen. And then I talk to her. I'm like, hmm, I wasn't thinking that at all. And so I got to keep leaning in. I got to keep learning. And the Holy Spirit has thoughts. He's got a will. He's alive. And the Holy Spirit has emotions. Romans 15 verse 30. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is loving. He has emotions. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and he starts listing the emotions, emotions of the Spirit. Love. Joy, peace, 
The Holy Spirit is a he, as a person. He has emotions. He can be grieved. He has emotions. He has feelings. He can be grieved. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for, for the day of redemption. Listen, church, understand this. The Holy Spirit is sensitive. You have to learn what grieves the Holy Spirit. If you don't know the Holy Spirit, you won't know what is grieving him. You might be doing some things that's grieving the Holy Spirit and you don't even know it. And I, I've been getting to know Tiffany for all of these years and there were several years that I didn't realize that I was grieving her. I was doing things that was hindering and putting obstacles in our relationship. And over the years, I've continued to lean in and learn and, and learn and and learn and learn and and now there are times that I'm talking to Tiffany and I say something and I can see the expression on her face I'm like that didn't go over well <laughs> that didn't work because because I, I know her I'm I'm learning her I'm I'm studying her and you got to get to know the Holy Spirit because if you don't get to know him you'll be doing some things that's grieving the Holy Spirit that that's hindering your relationship with the Holy Spirit that's putting distance between you and the Holy Spirit you got to get to know him he's a he's a person he's a he's a person matter of fact the Holy Spirit is such a person you can even lie to the Holy Spirit Acts says in chapter 5, verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, how, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you have received for, for the land? This is so key that you understand you can lie to the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, why is it key? Because the foundation of any relationship is trust. Relationships are built on trust and you know what happens when you don't trust someone you don't keep them close to you you put some distance between you and them when when, when you don't trust someone you're like you know now i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep you a little distant i don't want you too close and and I wonder today if some of you don't know the Holy Spirit that well and you've been lying to the Holy Spirit and you're wondering why you can't hear the voice of God. You're wondering why you can't feel the presence of God. You're wondering why you're not, not close to God. You're wondering why there's distance between you and God because you can lie to the Holy Spirit and the foundation of every relationship is built on trust. You got to get to know the Holy Spirit more and more. He has a personality he has a personality and we're learning that right now the holy spirit has a personality he has unique and identifiable characteristics just like my family i think about tiffany and my four kids kel kate karis and case they all have different personalities and my relationship with them is not one size fits all because they're different they're they're unique and the Holy Spirit has a unique personality and unique qualities that we're going to be learning about throughout this series. And you have to have a hunger and a desire to know the Holy Spirit more and more. Know the Holy Spirit. Let me answer this third question. Where did the Holy Spirit come from? When you really want to get to know someone, you have to learn their history. When I met Tiffany, I was 21. She was 
19, and I got to, one of the first things I learned was her history. I learned that she was born on August the 5th, 1977. I, I learned about her history. She was born in Nebraska. She was raised in Nebraska and in Wisconsin. She grew up a Nebraska Cornhusker fan, but the Lord has delivered her. Mm -hmm. Jesus, she has been delivered. Glory to God. Boomer sooner she is today. Glory to God. She grew up a Green Bay Packers fan, but she's been delivered. Glory to God. Dallas Cowboys. She's been delivered from Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers. Even Aaron Rodgers wanted to get delivered from the Packers. Some, some of you don't know football. Google it. You'll learn what I'm talking about. But you, if you're going to get to know someone, you got to know their history. And you got to know the Holy Spirit's history. Let me give you some history about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has no beginning. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28 says, Do you not know, have you not heard, that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding, no one can fathom. Revelations 1 verse 8, I am the Alpha and the, and the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God for the, by the power of the eternal spirit. Come on, everybody shout eternal. He's the eternal spirit. Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. The Bible teaches us the Holy Spirit is eternal. He has always been. He always will be. It's mind-blowing, but the Holy Spirit has no beginning and he has no end. Matter of fact, he was present and a part of the creation of the world. The Holy Spirit was there when the world was created. The heavens and earth were, were created when humanity was created. The Holy Spirit was there, Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters the Holy Spirit was a part of creation because he is God he has no beginning he has no end he is eternal he is everlasting he's the Alpha and the Omega and not only does he not have an origin but he also does not have a single residence you can't say the Holy Spirit is there and that's the only place he is. No, he has no single residence. David described it like this in Psalm 139 verse 7. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Talking about the omnipresence of God. He goes on to say in verse 78. Where can I go from your spirit? You see, understand this. Let me teach you. There's the omnipresence of God. And then there's the manifest presence of God. Today, as we were worshiping God, man, hands lifted. I know my hands were lifted worshiping God. Some of you, you felt the presence of God. You, you felt God touching you. That's the manifest presence of God. Sometimes you're driving in your car and you're, and you're praying or, or you're in the morning reading your Bible and you're worshiping and you're praying and you feel God touch you. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're touched by the power of God. You feel his tangible presence. That's the manifest presence of God. Not everybody experiences the manifest presence of God. There are some people that don't worship, that don't know God, that don't experience his manifest presence. But no matter if you're far from God, you don't know God. You may be far Far, far, far from God. You're not a child of God. You cannot escape the omnipresence of God. It's everywhere. The omnipresence. David said, where can I go from your presence? 
The Holy Spirit is, is everywhere. Question four, question four. What does the Holy Spirit do? What does he do? This is an important question. When you're getting to know someone, you want to get to know them more. When I first met Tiffany in Missouri on the college campus, we started to want to know, what do you do? What classes are you taking? What, what are you majoring in? You have a job. When you graduate, what are you planning on doing? You see, to really get to know the Holy Spirit, you need, you need to ask this question. What does the Holy Spirit do that's different from the Father and the Son? See, the Godhead, they are three in one and one and three, but they each have distinct functions and roles. The father has a role and function. The, 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 the son has a role and, and functions. And, and the spirit has a role and functions. And today, for the sake of time, I don't have time to unpack all the roles of the father and all the roles of the son and all the roles of the Holy Spirit. But I do want to illuminate your mind and your understanding for you to understand that the Holy Spirit does have a different role than the father and the son. So you can go study it out yourself. But, but today, I do want to give you one example of what I'm talking about. The three distinct roles of the Godhead in salvation. Let's take salvation and let's look at the different roles of the Father, of the Son, and of the Spirit. The Father created the plan of salvation. John chapter 6 verse 37 and 38. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away, Jesus says. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will. I left heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. The father had a will. The father had a plan. And the son, Jesus, executed the plan of salvation. The father created the plan and the son executed the plan. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. But when the set time had fully come the set time the set time and, and you read the old testament they were sacrificing goats and and lambs and the priests were going into the holy of holies to sacrifice the lamb and the goats for the forgiveness of people's sins but when the time had fully come god sent his son born of a woman born under the law the father sent the son to execute the plan of salvation the father had a plan he wanted executed to save humanity from their sins Jesus left heaven, came to earth, and he executed the Father's plan. Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Father, Jesus said, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will. I'm not here to do my will. I'm not here to do my plan. You came up with the plan. Not my will, but yours will be done. And Jesus accomplished the Father's will by dying on the cross and then he rose again on the third day. Jesus has done all he's going to do to save humanity from sin. All he's going to do. He's done his part. Hebrews describes it in Hebrews 7 verse 27. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as, a, as the sacrifice for the people's sins. And Jesus died once and for all. And now Jesus today, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And all he is doing is interceding for you and me. Because he's died already on the cross and rose again. He's not going to do anything else for us to be saved. 
And now let's look at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is carrying out the plan of salvation. The Father created the plan. The Son executed the plan. The Spirit is carrying out the plan of salvation. John 16, verse 7 through 9 says, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, Jesus said, because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, because I've done my part, if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes... He has a role. He has a function. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. And the Holy Spirit right now, understand his role in salvation. He's on the earth today and he's working and he's drawing people to Jesus. He's convicting people of sin. The Holy Spirit is carrying out the plan of the Father and the execution of the Son. The Godhead has distinct functions and roles. I close with this last question. What does, what does the Holy Spirit do in the life of the Christ follower? What does he do? Some of you are thinking today, Pastor, what does the Holy Spirit want to do in my life personally? How do I get to know him better? Pastor, what will happen in my life when I get to know the Holy Spirit better? What will happen? Pastor, does the Holy Spirit speak to me personally? Can I hear from him? Pastor, I've heard about speaking in tongues. What is that? I, I've heard about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What are they? I've heard about the fruit of the Spirit. How do I get that fruit in my life? Pastor, you talked about grieving the Holy Spirit. Am I grieving the Spirit? The Holy Spirit has a will. Am I in his will? Pastor, what does the Holy Spirit want to do in my life? I need some answers, Pastor, about the Holy Spirit. How do I get to know him better? Be back next week. And the following weeks, as we learn about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to give you opportunities to encounter the Holy Spirit. There's more. He's a person, and you need to get to know him better. Father, I love you today. I thank you for this series. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for what you're already doing in the hearts and lives of people. I thank you that you're drawing people to Jesus right now. I thank you that people are getting a hunger for more and more and more of God. Have your way. We want you to have your way, Holy Spirit. We want you to move in our church. We want you to move in our lives. We want you to fill people and baptize people in the Holy Spirit. We want to see your work and your power displayed in our lives, in our church. Have your way, oh God. In Jesus' name, I pray. As eyes are closed and heads are bowed, you're hearing you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're away from God today. You, you, you used to live for God, but you're no longer living for God. And right now, you feel this conviction. You feel something on the inside. You feel this uneasiness. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is convicting you. That's his role, his function. He's drawing you to Jesus. He's not doing it because he's mad at you, but because he loves you. Say yes to Jesus today. Come home today. Don't give in to that conviction. Don't, don't, don't just dismiss it. Give in to the conviction and say yes to Jesus today. As I count to three, I want you to shoot your hand high in the air and say, Pastor, I say yes to Jesus today. I'm rededicating my life to Jesus. I sense the Holy Spirit tugging on my heart to surrender to Jesus. And I'm lifting my hand, surrendering my life to Jesus today. One, 
two, three. Just shoot it up high right now. Say, Pastor, that's me. I see your hand. I see your hand there. I see your hand. Others that I see your hand. Others that I see your hand there. See your hand. Come on, just lift it high. That's it. I surrender my life to Christ. I see your hand. See your hand there. Others today. Just lift it high. I see your hand there. Others today. So awesome. Come on, every campus, Midwest City, Northwest, just lift it high. Come on, right there. The ladies at Mabel Bassett, lift it high. Online, just click the raise your hand button right now and say yes to Jesus. Every hand raised. Pray this prayer with me right now. Confess it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. And God's going to wash away your sins. Pray with me now, Heavenly Father. I turn from sin. And I turn to Jesus. I believe he died on the cross and he rose again. I surrender my life to you. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, from this day forward, I will live for you. In Jesus' name.